the third time. This is First Time for Everything. I'm Adam Richardson. And I'm Jordan Rizzieri. And we are so professional with this, this the way we start the podcast. Do, do, you think, do you think it sounds good? Yeah, you don't like it? I think I like it. I just heard that when I listened to the first couple of episodes, I was like, wow, it's like we're trying to be newsreaders or something. We could have a local radio show, although it wouldn't be very local with you on the other side of the world. Do you want to try making it even sillier? Like, not sillier, but just sort of like, this is... You know what I mean? Like, use like a totally different voice. That could be funny. Maybe. Maybe for episode four, we'll try that. Okay. But this is episode three. And uh, yeah, we're excited because we've got two episodes out, two very different guests. Um, I'm really happy with them. And I think Jamie last week was a great guest. She was here, of course, to talk about the first time she started a business. Did you like that one? Did you listen back? I did. And it really empowered me for my upcoming vocational independence. So I'm, I was thrilled to have that right right before, <laughs> yeah. right before I went freelance. So thanks, Jamie, for all the advice. And thank you, Adam, for all the advice as well. It's okay. I think the main takeaway was just get a good chair, wasn't it? Something yeah. Got to get off the stool. That's no good. That's not going to be good for my back. Yeah. So this week, uh, it's very different. Uh, we're going to be talking to, obviously, Rich Wilson, who you will have seen his lovely face on our uh, on our artwork. Um, and we're going to be doing a, a big subject there. I imagine a lot of our listeners, I won't say all, but a lot of our listeners will have experienced at some point. We're also going to be doing our uh, catch up at the end with the how our little weekly challenges went. And don't worry, there's no eating sounds. That was terrible. That was just awful. <laughs> Mostly, I just felt bad for you because it sounded like you were in a lot of. You said it felt like someone took a cheese grater to your mm. mouth. That's no good. Who wants that? No one. No, but strangely, I feel like my tolerance for hot sauce has gone up because I was eating something spicy the weekend with this sort of uh, hot sauce I usually have, and I was like, I need to crank this up another level. I feel like I've I've leveled up. Um, but yeah, so we've got that at the end. But yeah, Rich Wilson. How much do you know about Rich Jordan? Did you know about him beforehand? His comedy, his podcast. Um, I didn't know as much about his comedy, but I am a big fan of Insane in the Membrane and Insane in the Fembrane. So I, I, yeah, really enjoy his podcasts. So was excited yeah. to have him on to see what his first time was going to be and what it would be like talking to him. But it was really fun. Yeah, I think Rich is a bit of a legend of the of the comedy scene. A lot of the uh, uh, other sort of comedy podcasts I've listened to with you know these massive comedians, often I've heard them reference Rich. Um, I think he's been around on the scene for a little while and uh, I think he's been a great influence on it. Um, and then, as you said, yeah, his podcast is mostly based around mental health. And initially it was all chats with with men about you know male mental health. And he had some women on the podcast as well. And then he also did a very limited run of Insane in the Them Brain as well. So everybody has been invited on his podcast and he's had some great episodes. So well worth checking out. Even though I've never seen any of rich's comedy it's something that i definitely want to check out now that i've listened to this interview and i hope that's something that happens for some of our listeners out there so if there's a guest that's on that you only know a little bit about or you really know nothing about hopefully you get to expand their back catalog of work and kind of explore the things that they put out into the universe after you hear the chat yeah so you can go and check out his comedy you can go and listen to his podcast but first you need to listen to this episode of jordan and i talking to rich wilson about the first time he went on a plane This is a great subject that you've decided to talk to us about today because we have, um, well, 
we have me here and I don't really have loads of fantastic stories about flying. But we've got Jordan, who's based over in the United States, and she is somebody who's flown. You fly quite a lot. You do quite a lot of long haul yes. flights, right, Jordan? I, I yes, used to. before the pandemic, I used to be over visiting you all in the UK all the time. So and and I've been to like Japan and stuff, which is a whole other story. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, yes. But I'm very excited okay. to hear Rich's story of his first time on a plane. <laughs> yeah. So should we just cut straight to it? Because I'm, I'm intrigued because Rich might tell us that it was just like two years ago. Or he might be like, yeah, I was three and I have an amazing memory. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. I've, I've just built this up, this up so big. Yeah. Uh, yeah no, I've always been on planes. <laughs> no problem Rich was actually born on a plane is what, what we didn't know. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I come from a long line a of yeah. pilots. My, my father was a pilot. My grandmother was a pilot. Yeah. <laughs> so so when when was your first ever ever flight and uh, where were you going? Give us all the details. 1998 was the first time I ever went on a plane ever. Um, okay. I'd never. Yeah. Growing up, uh, we, we'd never been. We never went abroad on planes uh if we went we only went we only went once actually on a holiday went to the south of france and then over the border into italy but we drove we went on a ferry and drove there so i'd never been on a plane until 1998 so i would have been 26 by the time okay. i did that yeah and i already had i had, i was a dad at 20 so i already had i had a son who would have been he would have been Six. So my eldest was six and my youngest was one. And it was the first time I've been on a plane. And I just... With them? With them. Okay. And I, I remember I just shat myself for a week. The week running up to that, getting on a plane. Because I, I had no idea what it was like being on a plane. The surge of when it first goes. Nobody really explained to me about that. I just didn't know. I just didn't know how you got into the sky. I just knew that you. <laughs> I just so that's knew you... interesting. Yeah, but so, but I mean, I take it you'd seen films before, Rich. I had, I had, I'd seen films. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, I used to take the boys. We used to, I used to, uh, my young, my eldest, we used to drive out to Gatwick or Heathrow, and we watched the planes coming in and out, and. And so I, had a, yeah, I knew that there was the, you know, you kind of have to take the, the, the you have to you know, take the run up, go down the runway, and off you go. But yeah. I had no idea about the the velocity and the the pressure. I didn't know that there's a bit where you taxi out because I remember taxiing out, and I'm and I'm sitting there holding on to the seat, and I'm just like, oh my god, okay. And I've got the boys with me, and I'm like, right, I've got to be, got to be cool, got to be cool. I'm a dad, got to be cool, got to be cool. And my eldest is just chat, chat, chat about crashing and death, and like, it was a proper like it was a proper no like sit, sitcom cliche. Yeah, but then dad, what if right we were to go in the clouds and then we saw a mountain and then we did it? And I'm just sitting there going, yeah, yeah, no, that's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. Oh my god! And he's just wedged yeah. in with these two kids. And and then you taxi out. And then when you're trundling out, because you're trundling as well, you're not even like, you're not, there's, and I was, I remember going, does it go faster than this? It must go faster than this. There's no way that this is how you get off the ground. I'm sure I've seen it when they were taking off before. They go faster than this and you're just trundling out, just bouncing along. You know, oh my God, this yeah. is, we'll never get off the ground at this, this pace. And then it stops. And then you're like, right, okay. 
and then it just goes clear for takeoff, wherever it is. And then that, and you're pinned in your seat, and it's just like, oh! and then that first bit, when you feel it, when it leaves the ground, and you see the, the nose goes up, and you can look right up the plane to the tops of people's heads. Oh, no one, no one told me about that. And I, I was just horrified and exhilarated at the same time. It was both. It was, it was, it was horror and it, and happiness. It was odd. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was something else. Wow. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I can, uh, it, are there any, many other feelings where you get sort of exhilaration and horror apart from, I guess, um, when you go on, uh, when you go to theme parks and you go on, mm. um, roller coasters and stuff like that it's kind of similar but you kind of feel slightly safer you know that loads of people have done it just before and you know and it's you're not actually going up in the air unattached is that the key yes but that's the thing is that's yes but then you all you're thinking about are all the times that yeah you're you're a theme park you're on the nemesis at Thorpe park wherever it is but there's that story about one of the cars coming off or there's that story about the about the roller coaster, someone flew off the roller coaster or someone did something. It's always that someone oh, yeah, but, decapitated. Yep, yeah, that's it. Yeah, someone someone <laughs> someone got killed by someone else's leg. Yeah. And then and then planes drop out of the sky all the time. Just all the time. They're just falling like flies. <laughs> yeah, and that's all you're that's, and that's all you're thinking about is that. And you know and and, and when people talk about planes crashing. And then they go, no one talks about the fact that you hit the floor so hard that you evaporate. <laughs> like there's just no, you just vanish. Like you're just, you just become particles. No one talks about that. They think that you're going to just hit the floor and you're going to step out like you've tripped up the curb. Like, you're, oh, that was, oh dear. I appear to have, <laughs> I appear to have lost a shoe. No. Oh, you that's become, a shame. Yeah. Oh, Fiddle dee yeah. we oh. appear to have fallen out of the sky. We're holidaying here, are we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're just getting the bus home from here. You know, it's just like, no, no, no. You're going to hit the floor so hard that you become the floor. No wow. one talks about that. So all this was going through your mind as yes. you were taking off, but having yes. to keep it cool for the kids. Exactly. I think I'd not long seen Final Destination. Oh, God. I think it'd been, I think one of those had been out. I think I'd seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This would be the one. The, I don't know. Like the, the 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 plane takes off, but then the cabin door of the captain's the captain's bit flings open and knocks the pilot out, and then we end up hitting the floor at a billion miles an hour, just turning into human soup. You know, these are the things that were going through my head. <laughs> Is this what happens to you, Jordan, every time you fly? Not anymore because I take a lot of drugs in order to get on an airplane. Oh, nice. Yeah, because nice. I, so, really? so okay, let me back up for one second. First of all, I'm from a part of New York called Long Island. And off of the coast of Long Island, yes. back in 1998, I think around the same time, there was uh, a, a mm. horrible accident known as TWA Flight 800, and all of the people were lost at sea. And it was awful. And I have very vivid memories of it because yeah. I was like a preteen at the time. Um, and there's memorials everywhere and stuff. And so I live in a world and there's also an airport. Like I could walk to the airport from my parents' house. And so I live in a place where planes literally do fall out of the sky and everybody dies. So, and that actually Mm. happened the year after I was on a plane for the first time. I was on a plane for the first time when I was like 10 or 11. We went to Disney World and that was my first time being on a plane. And the only bad thing about it was 
that I got a cold coming back. And so I had that like inner ear pain thing when the pressure changes. Oh, no. But then after that, all of my flight experiences were short distance flights, which I have learned are way worse than being on transcontinental flights because you're flying at such a high altitude on those flights that the amount of turbulence is limited Mm. compared to like flying from New York to Chicago through an electrical storm is like, I want this plane to crash into the ground so that I may become the ground because it's better than what I'm feeling right now, which is the feeling of imminent death. <laughs> like the death is just, it's coming yeah. and I have to sit here and watch it slowly come yeah. towards me and the anxiety builds until I explode into a thousand pieces. So if I could be liquefied upon impact, that would be amazing. So now... Exactly. It's just like, let's just get this over with. Let's just do this. I know it's coming. Yes. This part, not so much. The death part, just bring it on. I'm ready. So now now I take a Xanax before I get on a plane because I just... It's the, the, the anticipation part, right? That's so, so stressful. And so once I'm up in the air, I'm usually... Now that I don't drink either, I'm not I'm also not embarrassing myself by getting drunk on champagne on flights and stuff like that and getting crazy. Oh yeah. Now it's just a Xanax and a movie and then headphones with the sound of the ocean and I'm because that mixed with the just the sound of the plane, I'm totally fine. Landing on the other hand, yeah. Very different. Different story. <laughs> Taking off and flying fine. Wow. Landing not yeah. not so much. Well, that was it as well. And then the landing bit. No one tells you about the landing bit. That, that when it, That's coming in, coming in, and you're like, okay, here comes the ground. Okay. And then there's just that bang as it hits the floor. And you're like, it, I, that was the other thing. Like, nobody explained to me that you're going to hit the floor. Like, you're, like you think you're just going to glide in, and it's like, oh, that was, that was nice. It's just bang. And you <laughs> Especially Ooh. if, yeah, if, when you've got a window seat as well, it, it looks mm. quite smooth, doesn't it? And you're coming in and you're seeing the scenery and you're like, oh, cool, that looks nice. Maybe we'll visit there. We're on our holiday. And it's like, okay, I can see the runway. This looks pretty smooth. We're not going down too fast. I reckon this is going to be okay. And then you're right. It's, it's, yeah. the, it's the bang. And even on a smooth landing, yeah. it, it's quite surprising, isn't it? How loud yeah. it is and yeah. how shaky it then can be. And then you, there's always going to be a really nervous flyer near you that's clutching at, yeah. at everything. Maybe you yeah. if they're one of you yep. too. Um, but uh, yeah, it's funny though. I mean, Rich, you say nobody ever told you about any of this stuff. Do, I mean, before you went on the flight, were you asking people? Were you sort of like, hey, you know, I'm about to go on a flight. Any tips? Or were you just thinking it's going to be a piece of cake? It's going to be nice and easy? Or I didn't really I didn't really have anyone around me. I don't think I, I don't think it occurred to me. I think I did say I'm going to go on a flight for the first time. And everybody said, uh, everyone said, oh, you'll be fine. You'll be great. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But they never... Until you yeah. actually do it, they can't really, you you can't, it's indescribable what you experience the first time you go on a flight. And it's, and, yeah. and you are at the mercy of so many things. I mean, I know people say more people get killed crossing the street than they do flying planes, but you go, yeah, but I still, you st- I don't know. It's just, I still, <laughs> I still trust, I still trust the street. Like, yeah. you know, there and was you're no... in control when you're crossing the street. Aren't you? exactly. You're actually in control of your feet and your legs. Exactly. There was that story of that, that sad 
terrible story of that pilot that committed suicide by flying the plane into the mountain with a load of passengers mm. on. And he over, I don't know how he did it because there's so many things you have to override to be able to do that. But even that, you're like, what if you, you're in the plane and the guy in charge of all of it just goes, yep, this is the day. This is the one. This is what we're going to do. And then decides he's going to end it. And you're just sat there reading a magazine about watches and having a holiday in <laughs> wherever. Oh, yeah, we should go and buy some aftershave. Hopefully he doesn't come on the tannoy and, and say exactly that. Okay, guys, this is the day. This is what I'm doing. You, you've got to hope he just does it. Just does it. Yeah, yeah, if he's going to do it, do it. But yeah. don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is your it, captain I'll... speaking. And uh, <laughs> all of your lives are about to end in about 30 seconds. Uh, the Help. weather outside is. <laughs> Help yourself to the Pringles. Yeah, you know. go nuts. Yeah. Do what you like. <laughs> and that, oh, dear. It, you're, not, you're not in control. Of it. And I remember, funnily enough, I was flying back from New York. It was early, it was an early, I, I think I'd got like, it was like a, a late night flight. Or, so I came in really early in the morning back to London. I remember we, were, we were coming in, we were coming in and the weather was really bad outside. And we were coming in, coming in. And then suddenly before we got to the runway, we took off again. We went up and it come up and round. And then, and then we, and we all went, that was weird. I thought we were coming in. And then the captain comes over and he goes, oh, very sorry. We had to, we had to, well, we had to cancel the, 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 ta- the landing, the landing because there was an obstruction yeah. on the runway, which was another plane. There was already a plane on the runway and we were coming in like either on it or we were too close to it. And then he had to go up and round again. So we've, and wow. just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we all just sort yeah, of sat that, there looking at it. So we all went. Shit, I think, what? like, I think yeah. the, the basis for all fear around flights is that you don't actually understand what's happening. Like, you don't, you can't. No. I could not no. take over flying the plane if the pilot just like passed out, right? Like, I, I don't understand what's happening yeah. here. I don't understand the science. People have explained it to me. I, it's like they're not speaking English. I don't. I just nod and then they stop talking. I don't understand what's happening at all. Yeah, and then. Also, the like um, sort of like all the rules and regulations are also like hard to understand. Like there's a person in a tower somewhere who's looking at the sky in binoculars or something. And there's some sort of like (laughs) radar on a computer screen. And they're like, yeah, it looks fine. You could come in. Oh, no, wait, hang on. Somebody parked there. You can't you can't come in. (laughs) It's just like that part of it to me is like like, there's so much human error involved in this. And I don't like it. I'm also like hurtling at high speeds in a flying metal death tube through the air. And I don't get why. Like, I don't understand why we're not falling. I don't understand. I, I've been, like you've just said, Jordan, I have been told a thousand times how planes work. I still don't know how planes work. How does that get up? Because it don't, because I know it's velocity and it's the, 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 the air pushing it up or whatever it's doing. And it's, and it's, it is so incredible this, what they've worked out how to do it. But, you kind of go so really. We're just going fast enough that we don't fall. It's not really flying as such. It's just so much speed and the angles, and the, you're just doing it just right. So you're basically just you're like a like a human cannonball. Like they just get the angles right for you to be in the air long enough for you to reach the net. And that's yeah. the same with being in a plane. They've got just enough of the. It's just enough that you hit the you hit the ramp on the other side. 
That's insanity. It's insanity. I think every every flight I've been on, I've at some point I've looked out the window and just been like, why isn't everybody just looking around going, this is crazy. Like, what are we doing? What? We're in the air. Isn't just, it? The, cl- the clouds are below us. Yeah. And the now fa- we're in a cloud. All <laughs> of that. Well, that's it. How do you, and that's it. Flying in clouds like they can't see. And yeah. then you're like, oh. How do you know does. you're going the right way if you can't this, see what you're doing? I have heard so many awful <laughs> stories. Um, I remember, but I've well, I've done gigs for I've done gigs out in Afghanistan uh, because that's because that's military. What they have to do, they they fly you out on this uh, on this big cargo. You fly out on a civilian plane, and then they they you you swap and you get in this cargo plane, and they fly you out to the main base. But what they need to do as you're coming in, they have to go at, a, at an angle like like directly down to avoid any kind of getting shot out of the sky, any kind of missiles wow. and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you're coming in, they say, oh, we're about, to, we're about to, we're coming in. You're already deaf because these are cargo planes, so you can't hear anything. So you can basically, you nearly hear it, it goes right, coming in. And all of a sudden we can hear all this, do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And what they're doing, they're firing off, they call it chaff. And that is like heat things to distract any heat-seeking missiles that might come at the plane while you're coming in. And then it, and then it comes in at, it comes in at an angle like that straight down. <laughs> so you're you're it's like being on a roller coaster. You're hanging onto the seat in front, like pushing yourself back, and then, and you're in pitch blackness as well. You're completely pitch black. And then it comes in, and then it and then it hits the floor, and it's and you, and yeah, and it's, it's, it's crazy. And you're supposed to then go and be funny after that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh well, get on this. Get on this. <laughs> So we had to fly from one base to another. But don't get me wrong, like these gigs, one, like it was good to do gigs for the troops and it's good to, you know, it's good. But obviously there's a moral thing as well. You can't go, well, yeah, but I don't know if I believe yeah. in the war and I don't know if this should be happening. There's, a, there's other, like when you watch kids playing football in Kabul and you're like, mm-hmm. wow, this is in there. We're now in the place that used to be their school or whatever it is. And now they're out there. Yeah. It, it makes you, you go, I don't know if I should be here really. Anyway, but you, you know you you're there and you're doing the thing. But then we had to go from one base to another, and so I got on and we had a, we had a guy that was head of our security called we called him Beans because he sat in a tub full of beans for a charity thing. So that was it. His name was Beans, but he was like ex special forces, covered in scars, really like a, a, hard, a really nice man, but hard as hard as nails. So anyway, we get on the plane and we sit down, and I said to him, I said, I've only got one half of my seatbelt. Is that going to be a problem? And he went, ah, you probably won't need it anyway. You'll be fine. So we're sat on these benches and there's all these other GIs in front of us sitting there with all their gear. They've got the guns, big Oakley sunglasses, just sat there like that, massive dude. So we sort of sat. We, t- we take off and then we all kind of nod off. And I wake up because suddenly we've gone weightless. And I've gone, because I didn't have a belt on, I've gone up the netting on the thing. My legs are straight out in front. And I've gone up the netting like that. One of the loadies, he's gone up the netting as well. He's hanging on. The GIs in front of us, all their guns went up in the air, helmets went up in the air, and we're all weightless. It's just like up. And then bang, and we all come back down. And we're all <laughs> this shit. We're all like, what the, what the fuck was that? What happened there? And I thought it's because they used to let us like have a go of the plane. Like on these different trips, they'd let some of our crew like have a go of flying the plane. So I'm like, well, look, right, they've let one of us have a go and they're mucking around. This is ridiculous. <laughs> So anyway, so we land, we land and we get down there and we, like, the, me and uh, Angie, the tour manager, were, we were so 
we were just, you know, like you were laughing hysterically. We were just lost. Just, we couldn't breathe. We were laughing so much because we were so scared. And everything. Yeah. Like, and then the GIs in front of us, these big burly men, like their shoulders were going up and down like that. So they were laughing as well. Everyone's laughing because we just, we just shit our pants. And then, and then we get down and they go, oh, what happened was a drone had come up out of the clouds, uh, not on the radar, it come up out of the clouds and they had to go underneath it, like, like emergency action underneath the, the drone. So that's why we all went suddenly weightless because they nearly crashed into wow. a drone. Yeah. And it oh, just... Damn, I'm so pleased that wasn't your first flight. Because it also <laughs> would have been your last. You'd be like, I'm walking back from Kabul. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Floating I'll ta- guns. I'll take yeah. my chances with the sharks, man. I ain't, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely That not. is madness. Oh, yeah. my God. So, uh, so sure. a cargo plane, I'm picturing it, like, benches up the side. Yeah, benches up the side. Like, and there's you, no... You there's, haven't got all the normal safety stuff. No, and the the seatbelt that you've got is just like a it's like a canvas bit with a hook on the end, like a like a really old sort of fashion belt, and it kind of hooks yeah. in. Like you're in the back of an old Land Rover or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, like yeah, yeah, like belt. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I only had oh half of it, and, and Beans was like, "Nah, you'll be fine." And the next thing I know, I'm <laughs> I'm going up the up the netting behind me. Like I went right up as well. I must have gone at least six feet, uh, like up, like That's up the incredible. road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I shat myself. Honestly, I'm not surprised. Even, yeah, so yeah, you know, once you've done that, I mean, anything after that, commercial flights are a walk. I mean, in the, the park, problem with you know? commercial flights really yeah. is the other people, right? Like anybody who's got a horror yeah. story about a commercial flight, it's always about the other, the other people around you. I mean, yeah. usually it's me, the hysterical crying girl, who's like, "Can somebody get her or something?" Because I think she's <laughs> not, she's not all right. But yeah. For sure. <laughs> or it's me, uh, you know, with my, I mean, my daughter is now five, so she's okay. But when she was six months, we took her to Australia to go to see my brother because my brother lives out there. And we thought this now is the time to do it before school holidays, you know, and before yeah. we have to start paying for her flights when she's a baby, let's do it. And it was, it, it was great. I'm really chuffed we did it and everything. But oh my God, that flight. I mean, I, that, those two extra extra long flights that we did with a six-month-old baby i basically walked all the way to sydney because you're just walking up and down and up and down there's no sitting down there's no chilling and watching a film it's either walking up and down patting burping checking if they're sleeping you can't just and i can't sleep on planes anyway but that was the most shattered i've ever been doing that then arriving and then the time difference and then trying to sort of have fun with my brother and be like, yeah, party, let's have a beer when I just wanted to sleep. <laughs> and then we couldn't sleep because we had a six month old baby who was waking up every few hours and they were jet lagged. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, hell on when, I, when, when I sat on that plane, I was looking around because usually it's true. I look, I, I'm like, right, who have I got around me? Are these people going to be nightmares? And I was kind of looking around, smiling at people being like, I'm, like, I'm a nice guy. I know I'm the one with the baby. I really don't want you to hate me. Like, like come and talk to me or, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do about this. We're just yeah. in this together. Um, but yeah. <laughs> you just, I know. It's, yeah. It's fine. But you had a one-year-old in that first one. I did so have how a one-year-old, that? yeah. He was fine. He was lovely. I mean, there's the same thing you kind of, it wasn't a very long flight. We were only going to uh, Fortaventura or wherever it was. So it wasn't right, a very, okay. it wasn't a long flight, but. But yeah, I've seen those the parents and everybody on the plane is like, "Oh, have you got a baby on the plane?" They're like, yeah. "Well, it's just one of those things. They've got they're going to go and do a thing, and 
you, we, you know, we've all got to just, you know, put your headphones in, do something else. Exactly. You know, don't. Have you ever seen the movie Say Anything with John Cusack? So no. no. Oh yeah, long time so ago. Yeah. One of the ago. like subplots in that movie is that the girl has never been on a plane since she was really young and she started like screaming before the plane even took off. Um and they asked her like never to fly ever again. And then the the whole thing is that she's going she got some like fellowship in the UK and she's gonna fly over there. <clears throat> but the reason that she started screaming was because she was afraid of flying, but she had this thing in her head that said, if there are babies on the flight, maybe the universe won't crash the plane because that would be cruel and unusual. Oh, but all the babies yeah. were crying. And so she's like, they know something I don't know. Like, this is not good. <laughs> so, like, I think I saw that movie when I was, like, 14. And I've just, like, kind of adopted that. So when I see babies on flights, I'm like, I'm good. The universe the universe isn't going to do anything to yeah, you. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm <laughs> riding with the babies. Let's go. That's a, ni- that's a nice way of looking at it. Yeah, I'm too the other funny. way. I'd be like, oh, I see. I see. I see what's going yeah. on here. Lulling me into a full sense of security. <laughs> ah, yeah, this is going to be awful. <laughs> I mean, I remember when my daughter was crying, you'd get a load of people would be nice. Like you turn around mm. and they'd give you a little smile and they'd be, you know, you could tell they're sort of saying, don't worry about it. It's natural. We're yeah, all babies yeah, once yeah, yeah. or I've got kids or my kids did this when I went flying. And then you get the people who either don't have kids, but that doesn't matter because you can still be a nice person or just dicks who yeah. would, as soon as she started crying, would be like tutting or looking the other way or looking annoyed. And they'd be the people later on in the flight when the lights had gone low and they were sat there with their blankets up to their head and their eye masks on and their headphones when she was crying that I'd make sure I walked past very closely to just to <laughs> you know just to make sure they did get the full experience and uh, the broken sleep <laughs> well what amazes me as well is that have you seen a like you're looking out the window. Have you seen another plane like coming the other way or going underneath? Like, see how fast they go. I was coming back from I thought I was coming back from Munich, and so we, and we were flying along, and there was another. It was a seven four seven because I could tell by the shape of the front. Not, I'm a I'm not a plane nerd. You could just tell. And it's, <laughs> it's coming towards us like the other. Like, and it's miles away because it's tiny, but they, they it was rocketing along. It was really going for it, and you're like. Well, yeah, it's going like 500 miles an hour. So, yeah. so you think, wow, you're in, like you've said, like Jordan said, you're in this metal tube and you're flying along at 500 miles an hour. No wonder you can't sleep. No wonder you can't do this and that because your particles and and the and the, the, the fact that you're 95% water or whatever it is, is just freaking out because you're going at this unnatural speed. <laughs> it's just, and then yeah. this, this, the science and the pressure in the, that like the way that they build planes and they understand that the pressure from the outside and the weather and this and that, they need to factor all that in when they're building a plane. You're not you're not just sat in a tube. There's all manner of stuff, the science behind it to make you to so your body doesn't explode <laughs> when you go <laughs> yeah. over a certain speed. I find that incredible. The you know that that blows my mind. I also think and and I I was thinking about this because of your podcast, Rich. That like. When I was little and on an airplane, I was going to Disney World, right? I won the fucking lottery. Like, yeah. I was having such a great time. Yeah, yeah. 
And then the next time I was on a plane, I was like 19. I was going to the UK to see my best friend for the first time. It was really exciting. And then the next time I was on a plane, I was like in my mid-20s and my brain had like fully formed that part that conceptualizes death. And so my relationship to flying changed drastically as my my brain sort of like fully – Formed. And so all of the like anxiety yeah. and and the way we work ourselves up, I think ha- like that has to do with it, too, because I know so many people who were like, you know, their parents were maybe they were from another country. And so they used to go back to visit their the rest of their family and they flew a lot as a kid. And then suddenly they're an adult flying for work and they're like, I'm going to fucking die. Like, what happened? I was fine yeah. for like 10 years and now I'm 26 <laughs> or I'm 35 and I'm like, holy shit, I can't do this. And I think that's that's a part of it too yeah. is when your brain is suddenly like, hang on, shouldn't I be dead now? I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> so yeah, I think that, that has a... a because I'm sure as your sons got older, their relationship to flying was maybe – maybe suddenly your six-year-old son is, like, internalizing that and thinking, like, maybe we will crash into a mountain. I don't yeah. like that at all. Why was I saying that to my dad? What a fucked up thing to say to another person. One of my favorite films, um, when I was probably at college, like 16, 17, and I don't know why. I think I saw it late night on TV once, was Alive. Have you seen that? Film? I was just you... about to mention Alive. Yes. Where are you? So this is the film for listeners who might not have heard about it. I think it was, well, it's based on a true story, right? It was an Argentinian mm-hmm. rugby team yeah. who were flying somewhere um, and their plane crashed. And there were some deaths, but a lot of them survived. And then it's the story of how they cope with that. And uh, obviously, you know, some of them having to venture out and try and find safety or try and find signs of life because they were in like this mountain range. Was it the Andes, I'm guessing? Yeah, yeah, something like that. But, and the key headline from the film and the story was that eventually they ended up having to eat each other, right? They had, well, they had to eat the dead ones. They didn't just start nibbling on each other whilst they were alive <laughs> I watched that <laughs> yeah. no, no Gary Gary yeah. come on man <laughs> come on the dead ones why am I going to eat the dead ones they've been lying there for days I'm not touching that yeah and and then in my early 20s I was lucky enough to go on a couple of snowboarding trips where you mm. would be flying over mountains to get to, to different places to different resorts wherever you were going and that used to occasionally cross my mind and yeah. then I used to run through, right, there's like 10 of us on this trip. Which ones Which ones do we want to yeah. uh, to be eating here? Which ones are going to be the tasty ones? But it's, it's just, yeah. again, it's like part of, you know, that kind of stuff when you're a kid, you're not considering at all, as, as Jordan was saying. And uh, every time I go on a flight now, that that's, yeah, I, I have that, that thing like, wow. Yeah. The trauma of crashing, then trying to stay alive in the absolute... F- freezing cold weather then yeah. thinking about oh god we're hungry and they're rationing chocolate and wine and stuff like that in the film and then eventually making the decision that you're going to eat your friends it Crazy. just how i don't think any of us can comprehend how hungry you must be to get to that point where you start going we're going to eat john like yeah. it's you know it's it's <laughs> it's a level of hunger that i mean we've all been hungry but we've never, I don't think you, you, any, the three of us here, I don't think any of us, touch wood, will ever be in that situation. No, touch wood. I can't even comprehend how your, how your brain would get to that point. Like, right, we need to survive. We're going to eat, we're going to eat the dead. 
that yeah. that and then you're and then you're trying to because she's not even did they cook them did they, did no. they eat them raw they eat them raw they, they were raw because they were frozen obviously these bodies God. so they'd be like you know that respectful burial that we had like two weeks ago for john <laughs> we're putting we're on gonna, a stick <laughs> yeah we're now gonna need to dig up all that snow that we placed on top of him but I remember the scene, like they dig and then they'd find like a leg or a thigh. So I think it was a case they didn't really know who they were getting unless they recognised, you know, the, the brand oh, of jeans they were wearing or whatever it yeah. was. And then they'd have a bit of broken glass from the fuselage or something and they'd be chopping. I've got to be honest, in that, like seeing the way they were carving the meat and because it was just a little thigh, you know, you get those, those uh, is it Iberico or the, the hams? It kind of looked yeah, like a bit yeah, like that. Like, yeah. Because it was frozen, it looked cured. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say... But there's uh, something about frozen meat. This podcast has gone in a weird direction. <laughs> <laughs> where was your Where was your first cannibalism experience? Yeah. I do you know what though. It's, it makes sense what you just said, Adam. It does make sense that yeah, like the the because it'd be I suppose it would be burnt from yours that fridge that frozen yeah. burnt, isn't it? So, Jordan, have you? <laughs> have you ever considered have this? you thought about this so yeah. i've i've never seen the movie alive but i know what you're what you're talking about i have recently like accidentally subjected myself to several different things about plane crashes i watched the movie is it just called united that's uh, i can't remember now the the one about the manchester yeah. the yeah, manchester team so, yeah. with david tennant because i just was watching everything with david tennant in it yeah. um but that like that movie is also like grim because it starts off with the the aftermath of the plane crash and then goes backwards right and shows you how they got to that point. Yeah. And then I was reading um, my new thing instead of scrolling through social media is to look at the things that the New York Times thinks I might be interested in reading about, and one of them happened to be about this woman who was flying from South America, I think back to wherever she was from. I think maybe she was like Canadian or something. Um, And the plane went down Mm. and her, she ended up like falling into like a very dense vegetative area. And so it broke her fall. And so she lived, but she had to walk through basically like the Amazon in order to survive. Right. I think her name is like Susan something, but it was this article about how she became, I think she's like a scientist or something. Adam, we're going to have to fact check this before we put it in the podcast, but I think she's like a scientist who has studied like that area because like, I imagine if you, if you are like the sole survivor of a plane crash and you have to walk through that area, you are going to be like almost like, like, like the universe has connected you to that place forever. Right. Like that is just a place you're going to feel a, Mm. feel a connection to. And so I thought that was really interesting, but like, yeah, I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to survive. I don't want to survive. I don't want to be the sole survivor of a plane (laughs) crash. Like again, liquefy. How, how was she dressed? I want to know, like, how was she dressed? What was she, you know, what gear did she have on her? Was she at all? No, prepared? I don't think she was wearing like a backpack. What, Probably not. You, <laughs> yeah, can't be a, yeah. you can't be prepared, can you? <laughs> I better make sure I've got my hiking boots on in case I fall out of the sky <laughs> yeah. suddenly. I was going to say the next time I fly to the UK, I'll make sure I'm wearing a bathing suit underneath my clothes in case I accidentally crash into the Atlantic Ocean and have to swim for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Just in case. Oh, Arm good bands. job I've got my yeah, armbands and a yeah. rubber ring. Just, well, that was fortuitous. Yeah. <laughs> this, big, this big duck's head as you flat down from the sky. But I read about, I, I read about that as well. I remember that. And I didn't realize that she was a scientist and she'd studied the, the area. 
I I thought because I wondered how she'd survive because you, you any of us who would have if that had happened to us what where, where would you even begin where you wake up mm. you, you obviously maybe you're unconscious and you suddenly come to so you're delirious you don't really know where you are you just wow okay and then you have to double yeah. check like did that really just happen wow am I alive now am I dead is this heaven is this hell what's going on and then you kind of come yeah. back you kind of come back to life and then you like right at no point I think would any of us go right then okay yeah. What do we do now? Let's Priorities. About, let's be pragmatic. Let's yeah. be pragmatic. You just start crying into the, the article. into the nearest leaf. The, it's, yeah, right. the article's called She Fell Nearly Two Miles and Walked Away. Wow. Adam, I will send it to you so you can read it if you're interested. Um, but the wait, thing yeah. underneath says, at 17, biologist Julianne Diller was the sole survivor of a plane crash in the Amazon. 50 years later, she still runs Panguana, a research station founded by her parents in Peru. So she like carried on. Her parents were scientists and she carried on their yeah, work. What a woman. But yeah, that's. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Wow. Yeah. But it's that it's it's that. Wow. And wasn't once she gone for like six months? She was got she was. It's, it's a quite a while. It's a few months that she was working her way back through the the Amazon or wherever it was, and she got just that story blew my mind. Yeah, you know, it, it's amazing. See, I'm lucky because I've just I've just watched fairly well in the first lockdown. I watched loads of the Ed Stafford program. He's the explorer who walked the length of the the Nile. Oh no, the Amazon River, and then um, yeah, right. he also does these naked and afraid shows where he gets dropped off on an island and he's naked and he's got nothing and then they just leave him with a few cameras they're great shows these and he just has to stay there for like 10 days in all these different environments and he's always like right priorities water number one um shelter number two and then uh, fire number three for warmth at night and then food so I like to think that I'd be like, right, Ed Stafford, Ed Stafford, what would he do? <laughs> but no, I think I'd just freak out and then go and jump off a cliff. I would. It, it's going to yeah. end badly, so just end it. Of course, it is. You're going to go. You're going to do whatever. <laughs> what, you're going to do what everybody else does. You're going to wander off into the bushes and you're going to try and first of all, you're going to think you're going to catch an animal or a fish or something like that, and then you, you're going to go. You're going to get really hungry and then you go, oh, those berries look nice, and then that's you. <laughs> Because they're, <laughs> they're they're brightly coloured, because for everything brightly coloured will kill you. That's that you know. And yeah. we go, oh, they look delicious, and we're going to have a true. load of them, and that'll yeah. be you. You're going to shit your spleen out, and that's going to be you. That's you'd wish you died or, on the way down. <laughs> or if I was clever enough to catch an animal, I'd then be like, well, I'm far too squeamish to now try and cut this open or skin it, or yeah. you know, oh, it's bleeding. I don't want anything to do with this. I'll just eat these leaves, or yeah. Well, you'll catch it, and then you'll make you'll make yeah, make friends with it. Make friends with it, yeah. I feel terrible. <laughs> And release yeah. it, yeah, and then it'll and then it'll you, oh, it, you'll, it'll gain your trust, and then it, then the mum will turn up, then <laughs> yeah. the mum will turn up looking for its baby, and then it'll kill you. So either way, you're gonna you ain't gonna last yeah. long. <laughs> so the moral of this podcast episode is: don't get on a plane because you're probably gonna die. So at some point, yes, we'll exactly. Probably die. Yeah. Is that what we're saying? Okay, it's why cool. you know it, this as this last year has shown, human beings and the and the very our our ecosystem that we exist in is very fragile as it is. So why are you putting yourself in a missile that goes 500 miles an hour and it's got 
I found that, I found that out the other day. When they talk about fuel in these things, it's not like fuel like we're used to, like petrol, like in a car, because that's too heavy. So it's like aviation fuel, which is more like a like a gas or whatever it is. Right. And that blew my that blew my mind. You're like, so you know, you're in a you're flying in a bomb, basically. Don't yeah, don't are. do it. Yeah, don't do it, man. Don't do it. So it's re- restrictions are opening up, and there's. You can go more places, you know. But there's there's all sorts of possibilities. People might have saved some money throughout lockdown if they lockdown if they if they're very lucky and they're thinking, yeah, I fancy a little holiday. Well, just go camping. <laughs> yeah. Well, a, there was an old Walks comedian. The tent. There was an old comedian called Mike Reed. He used to play Frank Butcher in EastEnders. You probably don't know what that is, Jordan. I don't know if you get EastEnders in America. It's I remember. A, I so remember. it's a soap opera thing. But okay. he was a that he yeah, and he I remember he had a joke. Because he was an old comedian as well. I remember him saying, he goes, whenever I travel, I like to go by ferry because I like to think that if the, if the ferry goes down, I'll be able to swim a few yards. You know, he goes, I'm not going to go on a plane. I can't fly an inch. You know, it's just, if you <laughs> be as low, be as near to the ground as possible when traveling. I think that's the advice you take away from this. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's pretty good advice. I think so. So, Rich, what we like to do uh, as we sort of wrap things up is sort of bring it back to that first time. And uh, usually we sort of say, you know, if if you could go back now to that first time, knowing everything you know, having been on those cargo planes, having been floating around with floating guns and uh, (laughs) all sorts of crazy experiences (laughs) that you have had. Would you change anything about that first flight? Would are you, are you sort of? It seems like your main takeaway might be just somebody telling you what to expect, or or do you think yeah. actually that experience was was quite a nourishing one for you? As it I was, think, yeah. Thinking back to it, I think I'm quite pleased. I didn't know exactly what was going to happen. I quite liked it. It was exciting. Mm. It, like I said, it was exhilarating and terrifying all at the same time. So I'm glad I didn't know too much. I'm glad it was it, 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 the way it happened. Because then it happened and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to do that again. That was really exciting, you know. And so what I would yeah. say to what I would say to old me, uh, take more snacks. They didn't have enough. I thought it just, you get stuff on the plane. But no, there's going to just, just take more snacks. Nobody should be playing, should be paying 10 pounds for a half a tube of Pringles or, you know, six quid for a sandwich. It should be. Take more snacks, plenty of fluid. Take more snacks and sweets. Take some sweets or candy. Sorry, Jordan. Take more candy. <laughs> Perfect. Great advice to finish with. All right. There well, thanks go. very much, Rich, for for coming on and chatting with us. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that didn't go exactly the way that I was expecting it to go, but it was definitely an interesting and hilarious interview. So thank you very much to Rich Wilson for keeping us on our toes, for sure, and for making us laugh. Yeah, definitely. I loved how it went. I loved it, and I loved listening back to it. Uh, so we hope you guys enjoyed it too. Um, if you have a similar story, I doubt anybody's going to have you know identical stories to to Rich, but maybe you've got uh, an interesting tale about the first time you went on a plane. Uh, then please do get in touch. Um, there are numerous ways you can do it. There's Twitter, which is what Jordan. F T F E Pod. And there's email, which is what Jordan. F T F E Pod at gmail.com. 
Perfect. Weekly challenge time. Uh, last week we referenced it in the intro. I tried a hot sauce. Jordan tried some football. Um, this week, what did we get up to? What did you do? So this week I submitted my photography to a literary magazine for the first time. And yes. it so little backstory for for our listeners who probably don't know me that well. Um a long time ago, like a decade ago, I started a literary magazine myself with some friends of mine. And so I'm used to there being either a form to fill out or some sort of app or software that you like submit your stuff through. This was not like that. This was super gorilla, basic, you know, just send us an email. And because I'd never submitted photography before, I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Am I supposed to watermark these images? Am I supposed to like... Do, do I zip them? Do I just put them in a Google Drive folder? Like, how do I set? And then what do I say about them in the email? So yeah. I have no idea if they're going to even open this email and read it. I have no idea if I did it right. But I guess we'll find out. And maybe on a future episode, if they ever get back to me, I will tell the listeners what happened. But I can definitely tell you that I like instructions. I'm not the kind of person who doesn't read the instructions. And so I'd like a little more structure because it was very nerve-wracking because it was my very first time ever submitting my photos and so I was like I don't know what I'm supposed to do so if any of our listeners out there have ever submitted um, images artwork photos anything to a magazine or publication send send me a message and tell me how it went and what you usually do because I need help (laughs) yeah because I guess because you might be tempted to send high res, but then that's just going to clog up their inbox. And really, they might just want to see little thumbnails to get an idea, a preview of your work, and then ask for high res after. But then you don't want it to be too small. Ah, the dilemmas. Well, and the other thing, too, that I thought was like kind of confusing for me was that I have digital cameras and then I have film cameras. And I really prefer the film cameras, but I also don't I don't want to try to edit the photo too much because I think then it takes away the like graininess of the film right the Mm. whole point of shooting on film is the way that it looks in the end and so if I edit it too much so it's kind of like do I label that it's film and it's sort of like what you see is what you get versus if it's digital in which case I'm a little more comfortable maybe editing some things and Mm. I don't I don't know so listeners if you're out there and you're a photographer please help send help you can tweet me at jordan rizieri on twitter and and tell me how you usually do it because i definitely need some guidance perfect okay so basically this whole podcast is a ruse for uh jordan to to improve her career and her life and you know she's hoping that the advice from jamie will help her secure a new job or maybe start a business and she's getting some tips on what to do with her photography work it's just self-improvement for you isn't it i mean to be fair why else would you do something like, A, to to better yourself, right? Because we're going to learn mm. lots of cool things on the podcast. And B, the other thing that I like to say on Twitter all the time, which is make cool shit with your friends. And we're friends. I mean, for now, anyway, I have no idea. Something might happen in the future and Adam will just be like, that's enough. I'm taking my headphones off. The podcast is over now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, in the meantime, making cool shit with your friends. So I don't know. Okay. You made it say, sound like a bad thing, Adam. You think uh, no, it's bad? No, not at all. Not at all. I just, I, I just was reversing it to me. I was thinking, what am I getting out of this? But all those good things that you said. I'm meeting cool people, chatting to interesting people, and trying. You're some new stuff. also getting a workout because your your first time this week was trying Pilates. So I think yeah. there's plenty of self improvement in there. Mm. I mean, it's kind of a workout. I try and do lots of different types of exercise, and I'd said last week I've done a fair bit of yoga before classes. Uh, at gyms but also at home on youtube 
And Pilates obviously is very similar to yoga in the sense that a lot of the movements are the same. But oh wow, it was it was it was harder than I expected. I, I did a thirty-minute um, uh, sort of medium level, I guess, video that I found on on YouTube, and uh, it's basically all core moves. And there was a lot more movement involved than I expected. So obviously with yoga there is some movement, but it's a lot of sort of holding positions. Um, but in Pilates, I was kicking my legs all over the place. I was sort of twisting my spine into positions I, I hadn't ever done so. And I, yeah, I quite liked it. I quite liked it. I don't think I'll ever do it again. I think yoga sort of takes, you know, fills the spot that I need that kind of core exercise. Or I like the fact that yoga is, is fairly chilled as well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pleased I did it. I can tell people I've done it and uh, that'll do me. Next, I think you should try jazzercising. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, like exercising to, you know, I don't know if you had this this craze in the 80s that we did over here where women used to wear like leotards with belts mm. on the outside and they would play like 80s music and do a lot of like step, touch, punch, step, touch, punch, and then knees yeah. and knees and lots of big hair. And yeah, I think that's the next exercising thing that you should do. Maybe. I mean, to be honest, there are quite a few different types of exercise I'm interested in trying, but that will get quite boring for the listener. Um, I think I'm going to do something. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear if you've ever got into this or even watched a video or even get the sensation that a lot of people do. Do you, are you into ASMR? No. As we can tell (laughs) from last week's episode where I was not interested in listening to you chew, I don't, I'm, I'm actually fascinated by it because I, I so don't like it that I I don't really understand why people it's kind of like those people who think that cilantro tastes like soap like it's just an experience I'm we're not having the same our bodies coriander. are not ex- huh? <laughs> coriander for the English listeners are you sure that's the same thing is it really I have to yeah. google that now cilantro and coriander are the same thing yeah while they both come from the same plant they have different uses and different tastes that's what it says. Cilantro is the leaves and the stems. Coriander is the seeds. Well, it, I mean, it, maybe that's a, an American book. When you buy coriander here, you get the whole plant. And it's just coriander. Is this like the time that Pip tweeted about Rocket and I thought he was talking about some party drug, but it turns out he's talking about arugula? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I, don't, I haven't heard that word before. But arugula? Rocket is like a peppery... like salad leaf how does your language work you say aubergine instead of eggplant like i don't sometimes you use the word from the culture where the thing came from and sometimes you're like arugula fuck that shit it's called rocket what the hell you people boggle my mind i don't understand anyway let's get back to the original point which is as the problem (laughs) shut up uh You're talking about ASMR. No, I don't like ASMR, Adam. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I also don't really connect with it and find it quite strange. Obviously, there are noises that are satisfying to listen to, but you hear a lot about people sort of getting, you know, the hairs on the back of their neck standing up. And I don't think I've given it a proper chance. I've had a, I've had a little listen and I, and I think it's weird. And a lot of it seems to be like wrapping up presents and whispering. So I'm going to watch a proper ASMR YouTube video, maybe even a full playlist 
I'm going to immerse myself in it. I'm going to turn off everything else, uh, maybe the lights, um, and I don't know, just see, like get myself ready and see if I can get something from an ASMR experience. Um, And if you don't know what ASMR is, then you can give it a Google and I'll look up a proper explanation for next week. Uh, But yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I don't know what it stands for, but I assume it stands for... um... Uh, absolutely you put, you put munch, pressure on yourself absolutely munching sounds repeatedly or something like that it's not always chewing right it's sometimes like you said it's like whispering or sometimes it's somebody like scratching their like running their fingernails over their microphone or mm. um like yeah uh, i've seen the videos on instagram where people like cut like uh like like soft like spongy not styrofoam but sort of like you know what i'm talking about yeah, those I videos so. I think are like ASMR because it sort of makes like a satisfying, I guess, noise. Yeah. I don't know. If you find something I kind of, good, I hope you you play it on the podcast. But no, please no. Oh yeah, no chewing. Yeah, maybe we'll. No, I don't think there'll be any chewing. Okay. Autonomous sensory meridian response. Uh, it's basically people get a little tingling sensation that begins on the top of their scalp and moves down. But you know, it's a genuine thing, and and I think a lot of people make it very clear it's not. A kinky thing it's not like a sexual feeling it's just this weird tingling feeling that people find satisfying so you know maybe maybe i'll feel that way and uh <laughs> we'll find out next week <laughs> what a cliffhanger okay jordan what's yours so um some of you might know that i have an eight-month-old golden retriever puppy and we have been doing some basic training with him, but we're actually part of the reason why we got a golden retriever is because we want to be able to take him to the nursing home to visit my mom. But you have to be a certified therapy dog in order to do that. So we're going to start therapy training on Saturday, which I'm really excited about. But also I have to remember to not get upset when he's still a little rambunctious because he is still a puppy. So, um, yeah, exciting, exciting stuff. Yeah. We'll both be trained <laughs> by the time it's over. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, that's interesting. I can't wait to see how that goes because it's, yeah. I mean, I find it difficult trying to explain, you know, how to use a knife and fork to my child, but at least she understands the language I'm talking. Yeah. Not so, not so much for the puppy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, yeah. Tune in next week at the end of our next episode to find out how those things went. And by all means, get in touch again, if, if either of those are relevant to you. If you are somebody who's into ASMR and gets that tingling feeling on the scalp, then we want to hear. If you're a dog that's been trained, had some therapy training, then please get in touch. Twitter, FTFE pod and FTFE pod at gmail.com. Right. How do we usually round up, Jordan? So a couple of things that we would like you to do. First of all, where whatever podcast app or however you're listening to this, if you want to make sure that you don't miss any of the future episodes because we have some really interesting and fun conversations coming up, make sure that you follow and subscribe. Um, and if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, leave a review so that other people can find us and, and experience the joy that is the First Time for Everything podcast. And we want to make sure that we always say thank you to Katie Burke and Funkle Albert. Katie made our amazing artwork and Funkle Albert is responsible for all the wonderful music that you hear throughout this podcast. There we go. That was it. This was it. This is it. That was it. <laughs> See you next week. Goodbye.